Hi, I'm Matt Littman, Executive Director of 97%. Today you're joining us for TAG, where we're talking about guns with Marshall Davis. Marshall served seven years in the Army National Guard and started My Sister's Keeper, uh, a defense gun defense organization based in Atlanta. Is that basically right? Do I have that right? Yep, that's true. Okay. That's me. Uh, so thank you for joining us today. It's really, it's great that you're able to spend some time with us because what you're doing is incredibly interesting, and I would say it's still pretty unique. Um, you started this business because there, you felt that there was a lack of representation in the gun community, and you had some pretty bad experiences, and you didn't want people to have the same experiences you did. Is that basically how this started? Yes. So in 2016, I you know, was ending an abusive relationship um, and decided that I wanted to protect myself and be my own defender. I didn't want to walk around afraid of looking over my shoulder all the time and afraid of my own shadow. So I became a gun owner. And at the time, ironically, I was working at a gun range. And that's when I fell in love with teaching and sharing my knowledge and experience with other women. So yeah, I think my you know, personal you know, downfalls is what led to me starting this business. You So you saw that other women were taking these classes, but maybe there was no one working exclusively with them. Is that what was going on? Right. I could not find a single woman-only class. And it was just so odd to me because working at the range, women would specifically come into the range asking for me, looking for a woman instructor. And they would get so excited when they saw me and say, oh my gosh, like there's a another girl here who likes guns too. So to me, it just made sense to have women only classes. And then I saw a quote from you where you said you can't rely upon people's better nature, something like this, right? I'm paraphrasing. Right. Because they may not have a better nature. Exactly. Right. right. Criminals don't have a better nature. That's why they're criminals. So pleading to a criminal or someone who does bad things to say, hey, please stop hurting me. Please stop doing bad things. If that were the case, the laws that are already in place would suffice. So we can't ask bad people right. to stop doing bad things. We just have to defend ourselves because they're going to continue. You have to be prepared. So is that when we talk about the name, My Sister's Keeper, is it My Sister's Keeper Defense? Is that the full name? Yes, it's My Sister's Keeper Defense. And if you go back to biblical, uh, there's a Bible scripture about being my brother's keeper. And, you know, I applied that same logic. I feel like as a person, a human on this planet, I am my sister's keeper. I'm the keeper of all other women out there. If I have knowledge and skills to help them have a better life, I have to, I have an obligation to share those skills. So you're in Atlanta exclusively? Yeah, so I uh, teach most of my classes in Atlanta, but I do travel to teach classes. We have an upcoming class in Baltimore in April, and you know I frequently taught classes in Dallas and California and all over the country. And and is it and the Atlanta metro area is enormous, right? They're right. So um, and your goal, you set a very ambitious goal of training. I think a million women. Is that right? That's yes. a lot. And how a are we doing? Women. <laughs> how is um, that going? It's it's going. In the past five years, we taught about 5,000 women. So, you know, we're definitely teaching a lot of people. Um, I know that I'm not going to be able to teach those million women myself. So my goal is to inspire the instructors and train the instructors under me to help me reach that million women goal. And I've seen that you've talked about, Marshall, the fact that people get guns and they they think that that's enough sometimes and they're not training. So that's where you come in. So 
How do you, how do people know about you? For example, is it word of mouth? Do you advertise? Because it's a huge service, especially as we're seeing the numbers of gun owners increase so much in the last couple of years, what you're doing becomes so vital. Yes. So I I think it's really important. I think it's probably the most important part of being a gun owner is getting the training necessary. And you can do that before you even purchase the firearm. So I advertise mostly through social media, Facebook, Instagram, and word of mouth is huge. You know, women like to talk. They like to bring their girlfriends, moms and sisters to the class. So, you know, it's it's not hard to get the word out there. Are you noticing um, an increase in the numbers of people coming in now? And how are they feeling when they take the class? Do they feel empowered? They feel like they could defend themselves properly? Absolutely. We had a huge boom in 2020. And since then, the flow of traffic has been consistent. And the ladies come to the class usually nervous. They're usually apprehensive, a little fearful of what they're about to experience. We try to mitigate that fear from, you know, in the beginning, just giving them as much information about what to expect as possible. So I wrote blogs, we have videos, we have information sheets, they get a women's pistol handbook PDF before they even arrive to the class. So they get so much information and an e-learning and and they know what they're going to be learning about that when they get there, they're not as nervous. When they leave the classes, though, everyone's high-fiving. We're all giggling and laughing, exchanging phone numbers, you know, ready to go back to the range again together. Can I ask, you know, you, you, I think you were saying that you are, uh, the domestic violence incidents occurred around 2016. Is that right? And then you, or maybe before, but then... Did you then afterward say to yourself, okay, you know what, I need a gun to protect myself in case something like this ever happens again? How did that work for you? Right. So I had previously been a gun owner. I was in the military, I joined in 2009 and deployed. When I came back from my deployment in 2012, I said, oh, well, I should probably have a gun. Like I've been carrying a gun while deployed for a year. It just feels comfortable to have one. So I bought one in 2012. And then a few years later, I realized, like, I don't carry this thing. I don't shoot it ever, you know, and I just got rid of it. I sold it. Um, and then I did, it didn't occur to me again until 2015, 16, when I was going through that violent relationship that, man, if I had my firearm, I could have right. defended myself. I wouldn't have been a victim in this specific instance. So that's when I, you know, my fuel to, to get a, become a gun owner and get into shooting, it, it was reignited. So... So you are, you were a gun owner before you're the definition of a responsible gun owner, Mm -hmm. but what do you think it means? We try to talk about this a lot because hundreds of millions of guns in the country, most Mm -hmm. 99% of the people are super responsible. How do you define a responsible gun owner? To me, a responsible gun owner is someone who has asked themselves and consulted with their family, friends, and whoever they believe in, they've made the conscious decision to fully immerse themselves in this culture. And you have to ask yourself, am I willing to take a life in defense of my own? That's the biggest question that you need to ask yourself before purchasing a firearm. Because what I see a lot, especially in the women demographic, is people buying firearms and they say, well, I don't want to hurt anyone. I don't want to kill anyone. I don't want to take a life. Okay, well, that's that's what the firearm is designed for. It's designed to take life in defense of your own. You know, we're not out here hurting people. We're trying to defend our own lives. So if that's your mentality, I just want to, I just want to scare someone. I just want to maim them or wound them. Do not purchase a firearm. That's not responsible. And it's illegal in most states. 
So ask yourself that first question. Then after that, to define yourself as a responsible gun owner, you have to take it seriously. It is the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life and the biggest responsibility you'll ever have. So it's something that you have to invest in financially, time-wise, right? Emotionally invest in the training that you need to be better. So when you say time-wise, are you talking about taking classes, for example, like your own, but that type of thing? Absolutely. Classes, dry fire, reading, like blogs, links, everything you need to know about gun ownership is literally on the internet for free. So self-learning, you know, finding out the information outside of the classroom is also a part of being a responsible gun owner. It's my understanding that in your classes, you have a plastic replica and you're able to review stand script and handling. Is that correct? Yes, we do use the training pistols in the courses to help prepare the women before they go into the firing line, talking about stance, sight alignment, sight picture, trigger squeeze, even trick, you know, where to put your finger on the trigger and stance. Do you have that with you? I actually don't have a training pistol, but I do have an unloaded cleared Glock 17 that I can demonstrate with. Yeah. Would you mind? Yeah, absolutely. So in the classes, I always start with the firearm safety rules. You know, we have our universal, keep the firearm pointed in a safe direction, keep your trigger finger off the uh, trigger until you're ready to shoot, you know, know your target was beyond and around your target. We go over those extensively and then we, we segue into grip. So this is how I explain grip. And it's really brief, all right? So you're going to grab the firearm with your dominant hand, making sure the webbing in between your thumb and pointer finger is as high as possible on the back of the grip. You're going to keep your trigger finger indexed, and you're going to have your thumb on the opposite side of the firearm pointed forward, mirroring your trigger finger on the dominant, on your, uh, on the, this side of the firearm. You're going to have the three fingers on your dominant hand wrapped around the front of the grip as high as possible under the trigger guard. So this is your dominant hand only grip. Now, I asked my students at this part, like a, a trick question, and I asked, hey, do you think you could defend yourself with just one hand? And they'll say, well, no, you can't do that. Like, they're always tripped up. Like, no, you need both hands. And I asked why. And they say, you know, recoil management. And I'm like, well, actually, you know, you can defend yourself with just one hand. What if your non-dominant hand is injured? Or what if there's something right. in your hand that you can't release? So, you know, I get their wheel spinning about that. And I talk to them about the crawl, walk, run analogy. In this crawl phase during this class, we're only going to be using one, uh, both hands, a two-handed thumbs forward grip. But eventually, on your firearms practitioner journey, you're going to have to practice dominant hand only and non-dominant hand only shooting. All right. And then I go into adding my non-dominant hand to the firearm. This is the glue that keeps it all together. I'm going to flip around here so you can see. All right. So you're going to marry those palms together, allowing your support thumb to rest forward and under your dominant thumb. Bring those four fingers on your non-dominant hand around the front of that grip. Again, as high as possible under that trigger guard. And you're going to press them together. It's not a death grip, but you're making sure that you get a good grip on this firearm. Thank you, Marshall. Let me ask you a question. When you're training people and they're using a gun for the first time, like the one that you're holding, what when do you see the look of surprise on their faces? As soon as they touch the firearm, the training pistol, we go over the safety rules first. And then I tell them in, in the segue, pretend like that, that training pistol is real. So from this moment, the second you touch it, it is real. Now think about how you're going to safely orient that training pistol, right? You wouldn't point a real firearm at someone. So we're going to treat the training pistols as if they're real. And that's when the light cuts on. They're like, oh, wow. Like the whole 15 minutes before she just said that, I've been playing around with this training right. pistol, pointing it at myself and flagging <laughs> everyone. And they're like, oh, wait, I shouldn't do that. And, you know, we have that conversation. 
Marshall, at the end of our interviews, we always ask our guests to tag somebody that they'd like us to interview. Who would you like to tag, Marshall? I'd like to tag Hardy Wilson from Wilson Brothers Armory. They're a firearm instruction company in the Baltimore, Maryland area. Okay. That, did you work with them at all? Yourself? Yes, I work with them a lot. They're who I'm teaching a class with in April. So we teach, we co-teach a lot of classes together. You're amazing. And thank you for doing this. This is a real service that you're doing uh, you. for people. I mean, training people how to use their firearm and be safe with it is, is critical. How do people find you? I can be found on Instagram at My Sisters Keeper Defense. My website is the same, mysisterskeeperdefense.com. Facebook is the same as well, My Sisters Keeper Defense. I suspect we're going to be in touch with you a bit more often after talking to you today. Uh, It's really terrific. Thank you so much for doing this. uh, And thanks for joining us on TAG. Thank you.